Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Visionary comic book writer and artist and filmmaker Dash Shaw's vibrant, fantastical animated feature follows crypto zookeepers through a richly drawn hallucinatory world as they struggle to capture a Baku, a legendary dream-eating hybrid creature. And they also begin to wonder if they should display these rare beasts in the confines of a zoo, or if these mythical creatures should remain hidden and unknown. Featuring the voice talents of Lake Bell, Zoe Kazan, Michael Sarah, and many others, this is a stunning piece of animation. The film again is called CryptoZoo, and we're joined today by the director, and that would be Dash Shaw, as well as the producer and director of animation, Jane Samborski. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Congratulations on this film. It is inventive. It is strong. It's a strong film. As I was watching it, kind of the level of commitment that you brought to this film in terms of the way you wanted to tell the story itself, but also the animation. And I, I'm sure this was a collaborative effort. I know it was, but which one of you would say was the inspiration to begin the project? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll flip your answer by saying, you know, Jane inspired me to write it because uh, part of the main thing is yeah. wanting to write something that Jane would enjoy painting and contributing to. And, and Jane painted most of the cryptids in the movie. Okay, so Jane... Um, I think that Dash teed it up. How would you describe the inspiration? You know, Dash is the writer-director. He brings me a story and then I get to play in his world. You know, I, I'm the sort of creative that works best with some boundaries. And so Dash brought me um, this incredible script, he, which was inspired in large part by uh, the unfinished Windsor McKay short Centaurs. We kind of, we worked out what visual language we had. I know that we wanted to push against the big, thick black line that we'd done in the previous film and instead do better, more specific drawings. He had been looking at countercultural newspapers. Um, From the 1960s, I had a fellowship at the New York Public Library, and one of the other fellows there was looking, yeah, like, so it'd be like a 1967 free weekly paper in Brazil and that same week in Chicago. And they all had a kind of thin line drawing quality, you know, globally, then that was kind of attached to this ideology, almost like a, like a Windsor McKay, like line drawing. So around when I saw that, Jane had this all women's Dungeons and Dragons group. So that kind of inspired um, maybe the predominantly female, mostly cast. female cast of the movie and, and kind of wanting to write something that she would enjoy kind of painting and participating in. And you know, Dash and I are uh, responsible for the bulk of the images that you see on screen. And we are both kind of doing what comes naturally to us. You know, Dash draws the way he does. There is a Dash Shaw sort of image. And there's also a Jane Samborski sort of image and those things don't exactly match. And so a lot of the visual inspiration for the film is more of a, how on earth can we make these two things work together? and enhance each other. And then we're also bringing in just really exciting guest artists to do backgrounds or creatures or effects. And 
the visual language of the film, you know, comes from that tension of making it work and, and trying to still be true to all of the amazing people working on it. As I was watching the film, I was trying to, in my mind, go back to what this reminded me of. And I mentioned before we started the, the uh, artwork of the 70s. I think you've more accurately placed where it is, the 60s, going back to the Freak Brothers, sort of going back to you know, R. and some of the others who's named I cannot remember right now, who were who what they did in their frames was they filled it up. They would fill up, uh, you know, a, 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 a strip with imagery almost from boundary to boundary as much as they could kind of squeeze into it. And it creates this kind of visual on a comic strip uh, level, you're looking at it more closely to pick out all the different things that are going on. But in an animated film like this, it creates this kind of disorienting, kind of chaotic viewing of it. You're not quite sure all of the things that you're supposed to be kind of focused on, but at the same time, it's so visually arresting. It's so visually compelling that it doesn't really matter. After a while, for me personally, I think you just kind of have to surrender yourself to the film and not get caught up, kind of put your analytical hat on the side here. You just kind of let it, let it flow. Is that a fair characterization? Is that something? Yeah, um, you know, so I think something that you're pointing to that is something that I always really liked about animation is that it's a flat field where multiple things are in focus, you know, unlike a live action movie where a central thing is in focus in the background, it can be literally out of focus or blurred. You can have a more, uh, a space that's really active, um, kind of like a, a theater space where like um, you have this thing over here and you also have this other thing over here. And so you're trying to kind of make associations and connections between all of these things. You know, a key thing that I really love uh, was seeing um, Einstein on the beach where, you know, you have like literally kind of competing, yeah. competing elements and you have to kind of choose what to look at. Um, and then ultimately kind of the whole experience ideally is, uh, you know, powerful in some way that that is because of the orchestration of these elements. And when I think about the sort of films that Dash loves, Dash is not interested in a convoluted plot. He's not interested in like, we, we tried to watch like Game of Thrones and it was just not his cup of tea. I, I think of the, your favorite sort of films as being the sort that wash over you. Yeah you're existing in this sort of partly a sensory space, partly a character space where you're just admiring how beautiful the things are and the way that they're juxtaposed. Um, and then I'm kind of a maximalist. So I just love to throw all the things at the screen. Yeah, and that, um, the thing about like Crumb in those 60s papers, it was also very interesting to look at them to see how prevalent Crumb was then. Like he was in all of these papers and you know, it was kind of his earlier drawing style that had a more open line. And, and you know, now we associate Crumb with all of these other things, but that, that, are, that are not utopian, that are, that, you know, the, the misogyny parts of it and all, you know, but uh, that wasn't present in those papers. So I think something that, that's definitely in the movie where you're, you kind of, you know you're looking at something ends. and you kind of have a there's a melancholic edge to it you know yeah i would describe this film as an experience good that's what we want yeah and 
Yeah, and so that and that for me. And you mentioned dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons. It seems to have there. It, it definitely has the feel of that, but it also has the feel of a parable. This is a this film. In in addition to what I described as an experience, it also is a a parabolic experience. That's not a word, is it? That's not the right way to say it. But it <clears throat> but it is a parable and an experience at the same time. And it's a it for me. It's about tapping into female power. It's about our relationship to our environment. There is a lot of underlying themes in here. Our, our relationship to nature is certainly a huge part of this. And it, again, you, you, can't, you cannot watch it and just go, oh, I'm gonna follow, that. this is a story I can follow from start to finish uninterrupted. It, it just will not allow you to do that. So am I, um, Jane, is that a fair way to, uh, to characterize it you know um for me it's really about the conflict between the three central characters and okay. each of their expectations of of the imaginary world you know it's it's a discussion it's yeah. and we wanted to really for you to feel that there was a legitimate reason that each of these characters felt this way and so for us i think that that's kind of the takeaway from the film is that you know Idealism is great, but we have to be constantly questioning the path it takes us on. Right. I, I think something that you pointed to when you're talking about those things is that, you know, I love I love uh, tarot cards and there's a very long tarot card sequence in this movie. And part of what's powerful about tarot cards is that it can hold a, hold a lot in there while being also a, a literal object. So like, you know, this... This is a disc and it's also money and it's also the material world as opposed to the spiritual world. And that if you do tarot cards a lot and you kind of, your eyes are tuned into seeing things that way. I think that if you make a movie, you know, it'll, it'll probably be like CryptoZoo where there, there's, you know, the lovers at the beginning of the movie it feels like a horror movie but it also feels like adam and eve and you're kind of fluctuating the associations that you have i think it's present in the in the drawing yeah i agree and that's exactly what went through my mind the adam and eve the parable of adam and eve the story of the beginning and then yes absolutely that's how i took it and i'm glad you mentioned that i just want to remind our <clears throat> i want to remind our listeners that we're talking to the filmmakers behind this animated film, Crypto Zoo, and that would be Dash Shaw, as well as Jane Simborski. And there's also, again, the watching of this, it has also, there's a lot of kind of psychological references. I would almost call this a, a Carl Jungian kind of film, in that it taps into a lot of the self, the unconscious of us. And even when we're seeing images that we may not quite understand, they register, they resonate. And I, I, even to the point where what you drew, cryptics, even when you're, you're drawing of the cryptics, there's, there is something very kind of primordial or just very basic human, human experiences in, in tied up in them. And I don't even know if I have a question. I just wanted to make that point. Uh, so... Well, Young would appreciate the tower in the movie. That's what there I'm you go. See, <laughs> that's, I think that's more Freud, but 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 uh, yeah, but no, but there are but <clears throat> but there are a lot of those kind of things in it. 
Um, well, what I was going to say is that, uh, you know, a lot of the responsibility for designing the cryptids um, was mine. I, I was lucky enough to get handed that fun project. And every single cryptid in the movie does come from an actual mythology. We didn't and we did not uh, invent anything for the film. Okay. And when I was doing my research, I really wanted to uh, to dig up the earliest images I could find from those native cultures. And obviously everything's kind of been run through the James Samborski filter. Um, but, you know, I hope that that, that research does come through that it, it has that more um, earlier history uh, is reflected in the final product. You can see Blemies in like medieval manuscripts and, and um, you know, we try, we, I think that that's also there, you know, there must be something that kind of resonates with these beings that have kind of stuck around with us for so long. Yeah. A Gorgon, you know, there's been just so many versions of a Gorgon. Well, I want to talk about the collaboration. Obviously, you two collaborated. You had a lot of animators involved in this film. Uh, give me a round number as to how many different animators were involved in putting this yeah, Two. it's kind of, there's so few people actually involved, but, um, you know, like, like Jane said earlier about the guest stars, it's kind of more like, as you know, from those 70s um, animated movies, a huge kind of obvious inspiration on this is Ralph Bakshi. And yes, that's Bakshi, what I, yeah. Bakshi could, would kind of cast different specific artists to do backgrounds for specific scenes. And so then the movie kind of ended up being a combination of those different artists and they still kind of retained their own personalities, their own unique right. um, styles throughout. So, so we tried to do that in this movie, but, but the actual team was very small. And I mean, it, our credits are very, very short. It's, it, it's, uh, um, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it was, there was, there was some uncertainty with how to credit people in the film, because as we alluded to when we first uh, jumped on the mic with you before we started recording, is that everybody is wearing a ton of hats. Yeah. And Dash and I are here and we are lucky enough to be the face of the film. We didn't need to put ourselves in the credits over and over and over again. But, you know, Emily Wolver, who is an absolutely incredible animator who came on early in the film and I could not have made it without her. She and I we're nine to five in yeah, most of for, the years. for years and all 98% of all the motion you see on the screen comes either from her or from me. Yeah. Wow. I have, I'm going to throw out a couple of uh, cartoons that this reminds me of. Did you ever see quasi at the Quackadero? No, I don't know that, that one. That one I'm not aware of. No. Oh, it's one of the, I think it's one of the, it's certainly one of the classic. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, quasi, quasi at the Quackadero, probably late 60s, you know, 70, 67, 68, it came out. And it has this, it, it's similar. And you're talking about the thin line drawings and the, the, the animation. And there was a more recent film that I saw about six or seven years ago by a, name, by a guy named Chris Sullivan. He did uh, something called Consuming Spirits. Another I film. Seen that yet, but I've heard of this and I think I met him actually. Yeah, it took him 14 years to put it together, 13 or 14. He was a school teacher. He worked on the side to do it. The reason I'm bringing this up is these are obviously passion projects for him. It was, he worked on it, you know, over the years and, and continued to evolve. And what he did in that film and what you guys do so effectively in, in uh, CryptoZoo is that they, he was able to blend these different kinds of styles and looks into this film. 
and in your film as well. That's and and again, I, I so admire you for having this vision to do this. This is not something that I'm sure you would have been told early on in the project. Well, you know, if you'd said, we're just going to have a lot of different styles, a lot of different looks to the film, and it'll surely be a wildly successful enterprise. I don't think you would have heard that, but you did. And I so, I truly admire you for, for that and, and your, your trust and your own instincts on this. I just truly, I'm, I'm blown away by it Thanks. actually. So Thanks. what has been the reaction? Um, in terms of it's screened at festivals or how how have others seen the film because i know it's coming out on august 20th it's coming out as a vod and there's a very brief theatrical run i believe uh, after that um and so if you are part of your city you should look for it at your local art house cinema yeah that's a, that's what i saw it looks like an art house rollout but um what has been the reaction um i mean you can be specific or in general general terms. Jane, what has been the well, I think the, the most surreal and um, astonishing and wonderful reaction is the one we got from Sundance at our premiere. We, they saw fit to award us with the, uh, the Next Innovator Award. And, you know, an award like that is, is such an unbelievable honor. And it's, it's so strange because you are the same person after you get the award that you were 20 seconds before the award. And so I just, when I watch the film, I intellectually know the, the part that I played, but it seems so much larger than anything I made. I just feel lucky to have been a part of it. Tash? Yeah, the, I mean, the fest, it played really great festivals and won awards at different festivals. And, you know, the, the reaction has been really positive to it. We've gotten to travel a little bit with it. Uh, yeah, COVID. Even, yeah, we, yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I would say you have. Yeah, anything you could hope for. It just sound like we're bragging. I mean, I did you, just, did you go to Istanbul? Did you go to uh, some of these places I see on your list? Berlin, did you end up going to Berlin and Istanbul? Yeah, I went Berlin. Berlin. Um, no. We went to Annecy uh, in France. Um, we were also in the Czech Republic for a little bit. Yes, yeah. exactly. So grab, uh, yeah, there you go. Well, it deserves all the accolades and the fact that you, again, you won at Sundance, the next uh, Innovator Award and a number of other places you did well, Berlin International Film Festival. Um, well, my congratulations. And uh, I have to ask, are you, have you started other projects? Or are you working on something moving forward? Yeah, we have an animatic for what we want to do next. And, and, you know, the best way all, everyone out there can help us make another one is to go see this one in the theaters and and let people know that that they want to see another movie by us. Absolutely, I hope they do, and I'm I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure hopeful it'll find an audience, and I think it will. I do, I truly do. Word of mouth is going to be a very effective marketing tool for you. Um, and uh, I want to thank you both for your time and for your efforts here with the film CryptoZoo. We've been talking with. I'm going to say people of many hats without getting into the director producer stuff, the people who made this happen, who made this uh, wonderful film happen. That would be Dash Shaw, as well as Jane Semborski to both of you. Thank you so much for being here and hope to see you, you again for soon. Us on. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. 
You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.